Welcome back to the Locker Room Podcast, podcast number 57. Stevie Poocher is here today, fresh from his provocative tweets at the weekend. We've also got ex-Wexford and Kildare manager Jason Ryan, alongside our own ex-Down 2010 All-Star Danny Cuse. We're going to review the National League today, all of the divisions, so not like some other podcasts. Uh, both J Jason and Danny They've written some very revealing and hard-hitting columns for RTE and the Irish News recently, so we might mention them in a while. <clears throat> but before that, a huge thanks to our sponsors, Ripped, for supporting the podcast. Ripped's online platform provides coaches with everything they need to optimize athlete performance. Head over to ripped.app for more information. Okay, lads, thanks for coming on. Jason, we'll, we'll start with you, and we'll start with Division 1. Kerry and Mayo in the final. Armagh just missing out there after that Donegal defeat. Your old team, Kildare, just uh, getting relegated. But obviously the story there from Division 1 has to be Dublin's relegation and that, that Monaghan game, the last-minute survival at Clonus. Dublin seemed to be coming good there in the last couple of games of the league, but they've just left it too late, haven't they? Yeah, that's a too late. And I suppose a combination of that and... In the game against Monaghan, it was so close that they didn't, you know, get that. You know, when you lose a game to, by a free in the last couple of minutes of the game or last minute of the game, it's it's a pretty bitter pill to swallow. Um, so I'd imagine they they'll have a lot of regrets. It's it wasn't as if things were fixed um, after the Tyrone game or since the Tyrone game, but for sure it's a case that there is there was enough glimpses there for us to see that if Dublin can. Tighten up a little bit defensively. They're conceding too many goals. Um, if they can take more of the scoring chances that come their way, um, I probably query how really cohesive they seem to be. It's a standout thing. I, I would have felt that from um, over the last ten years that with Dublin when they when they were attacking, they were they did it in such a cohesive manner. It was it was a real whole team from Cluxton all the way up. Everybody knew their role, knew what was expected of them, regardless of what they were faced against. But exactly the same in, in defensively. They were just they were just so efficient. Um, and uh, look, in the league, they just didn't have that level of efficiency in a consistent manner. Um, so, it, yeah, it's it's uh, you would have thought that some of the players that up to now everything has gone really rosy for them during their Dublin career, all of a sudden now there's a level of questions being asked of them by the media, questions being asked of them by their fans. Um, that there's there's going to be a level of self-doubt that they'll never have experienced before. So it's going to bring a whole list of, you know, new, it's new challenges for them, really. Um, so instead of building on where they've been, now they do have to, and it's not about reinventing themselves, it's just getting closer to how good they have been in past seasons. Jason, you mentioned in their defence there, they've conceded 11 goals throughout the Division One campaign, but why did they get relegated? Was was it because the quality of players? Was it their tactics? Is there a loss of appetite there amongst the current players because they've won so much, or is it because the competition has has gotten better? Um, I I think the latter is one that jumps for me. Um, that the, the the big story for me in Division One is how competitive it was. Um, the teams that are relegated, they 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 won games. You know, we we very often had Division One where teams have gone down and they've gone down with a whimper and they they just weren't competitive in games that Dublin went down and yes they they you know they had two wins you know you know Kildare went down with five points you know so it's 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 a case that I believe other teams are closing the gap um I would have felt that Dublin were over a period of time were the most organized team in the country and they were the most efficient in how they played whereas now there's a number of the other teams that are there they've closed that gap and they are better in possession of the ball. They're able to mix their game better. Their decision-making is better. They're more structured in, in, in how they defend, and they have a greater depth in their panels, and they're, they're closing that gap on Dublin. Um, but I, 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 I do feel that a number of the players for Dublin didn't have the standout performances in the league that they have had in the past. That How, how effective was Brian Fenton at the start of the league? I don't, you know, I think he finished better than he started. But when you have players that are as influential as him and they're 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 not you know dominating in their position, then it's it's going to be problematic. Um, but missing James McCarthy for the start of the year is is, is a hit. 
Keen Callahan started, or sorry, Con Callahan has started the year missing out on him is 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 going to hit. But there's still you would have I I would have felt that there was enough talent in the group, certainly enough talent in the group for them to retain their status. So it's it's other teams catching up, but also that cohesiveness that has been there with Dublin. For me, that's that's a big factor that is just not quite hit, not just quite clicking as well as it has in in, in past days. And to put your finger on why that is, that's that's a million dollar question. Um, Danny, uh, Jason talked about the likes of Fenton. They're not performing particularly early on and Con not being the team as well. And how much of this is, is down to coaching as well, that Dublin aren't playing cohesively? Well, I think um, it, with, that, with any regime change, um, there's going to be obviously that initial bounce. Um, and given how successful the Dublin panel have been, um, under Tim Gavin's time, and then you know, there was a relative easy enough integration with Hezzy Farrell being there, and, and you know, there were changes made obviously there, but it was a COVID year as well. Um, there's lack of crowds, and you sort of felt that, uh, that you weren't really getting a true picture of what Desi Farrell he, he hadn't had any speed bumps, he hit them obviously big time last year, um, and then that does begin to show itself in the wider panel. You know, there was a lot of retirements and boys that had their Celtic crosses tucked away, that their all-stars tucked away, and they wanted different things for their life. Uh, and when you see when you see that that overhaul in the squad, there's no doubt that the squad has been weakened on, on the back of that. The people that are coming off the bench, um, you know, they just haven't had time to get up to the standards that, that Dublin and, and uh, Dublin, the Dublin team have been used to, nor the fans, nor us as neutrals. Um, and uh, I suppose the players that have been playing, Ryan Howard, does he look totally comfortable or something to have back? I'm not so sure. Niall Scully making silly mistakes uh, early in the league. Um, the performance haven't been there. So, it's, you know, National League football now is of a standard. It's probably of a higher standard than, than than when I was playing because you always had boys that were coming back late into the squads uh, that were getting finely tuned for championship. Now teams are being put out to go out and win championship matches or win no, sorry National League matches and maybe a championship match uh, is the peripheral thing now. It's become the main position. So you would you would have to say if you're not getting if you're not up to that, I suppose up to the the, the peak of your powers early in the year now. You're seeing results going against them, and and I think that's what happened with Dublin. Now, in saying that, the game was there for them to win against Monaghan, but we've all known how spirited Monaghan have been and how good they are in Clonus. So again, they're uh, going looking for for points at the very end uh, of the National League uh, to stave off relegation was always going to be a tough 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 ask. But I would I would make the argument that. The only player that really has played to any sort of his potential has been Kieran Kilkenny, and and that hasn't been enough for them to to win through much. But uh, you know they're still suffering big time from from Stephen Cluxon stepping away, um, and the manner in which that was done, it was always going to be Cluxon was always going to be exiting them out in that manner. But uh, is the is the good is there a good feeling within the camp there? I'm not. Or hear things that are coming out that you never heard coming out of the Dublin camp before, and you would have to think that there's some kind of there's some kind of um, lack of cohesion there, um, and the togetherness hasn't been there that it once was, um, and that's good for the neutral. That's good for everybody else catching them and going for them. Um, but certainly from a Dublin perspective, uh, it, it hasn't been good. But listen, it makes for a really really championship fan out this last couple of years to see that domination broken and, and, and it has been now. Stevie, what would you say are the main reasons why Dublin have capitulated here? You talk, talked about cohesiveness. How do you get cohesiveness in a team? I suppose Joe, uh, Jason and Danny have, have touched on quite a, a large number of, of issues there and obviously only they will know as a group here, or Joe, sorry, they will know as a group why things have gone wrong, whether it's, you know, the standard talks about the change and maybe they don't like the change and maybe there's certain standards maybe have dropped. I think 
I think Danny hit a hit a chord there when he talked about Stephen Cluxton. I think that one of the biggest issues that was coming out of the Cluxton thing was that he was disappointed that they had broken the training ban. And I think that was the beginning of the end, really and truly, because you know, obviously he has doubling up at a certain level and a certain standard where he th- he feels that they are the benchmark for the rest of the country. And that was obviously a huge blow to them. But Jason also mentioned a thing as well. We talked about confidence. And I said this yesterday, actually, to someone, Brian Fenton never lost a game for a long, long time. And all of a sudden now he's lost, I think, five competitive games in his last eight games. You know, uh, last year's semi-final of Mayo, five National League games this year. And the invincibility tag goes, Joe, and then everybody believes we can have a cut at these boys, you know, and once that invincibility tie goes, because let's be honest, mentally and, and psychologically, they, they crushed Leinster. They crushed Leinster as a, as a whole. Teams literally just were at the stage where you had players from other counties in Westmeath and the likes of that and Carlo and the likes of, you know, tweeting, you know, in, in a sort of a, what you would probably call sort of condescending manner about the beating they were going to take. And like, that, that's, that was hard to, hard to believe at times, you know, when you were, when you were reading it, but that was the where psychologically a lot of players were and a lot of counties were, and probably some of them still are. But I would say, I don't know what Danny and Jason think, but I would say Kildare, who, who I've been critical of in the past, but I felt that they, they had a bit of steel about them this year. I thought they were very, very unlucky in a lot of games. Uh, they were wild competitive in all their games. They've, they've unearthed two or three really, really good forwards. Daniel Flynn's had a bit of form. Obviously, Jimmy Highland's coming of age after a really good under-21 career. But, you know, Kildare would probably sort of look at them now, Joe, and think for the first time in a long time, we have a chance. We have a chance, you know. Now, obviously, the Crow Park factor is a big thing. Um, you know, I watched them last week against Donegal, and I didn't see, I didn't think Dublin would have lost to Monaghan. After watching them against Donegal, I thought there was a wee bit of their mojo back. You know, there was there was, there was was a few things that I sort of seen that I thought, all right, there was a couple of mistakes in that, but there was a few elements of their game that I felt, no, they're, they're, they're back, they're getting back to where, where they were, and they'd, they'd obviously bounced with, with two consecutive wins against Tyrone and Donegal, which is not easy done. But it was just a bridge too far, Monaghan, and as Danny said, they still had a chance to win the game. But you would say we've covered probably most of, of the issues that have, that have happened, but as I say, only deep down they will know. But one of the striking aspects for me at the weekend, I don't know what Danny and Jason thought, but one of the striking aspects for me at the weekend is like, I honestly didn't feel the fight and spirit was really there. Like it was nearly as if, right, this game is here. Do you really want it? And even, even Mick Fitz, you know, getting sort of out-muscled by Jack McCarn for the lobbed goal, but he stopped with his hands up, looking at the referee, looking for a free. Never. That never happened before. You know, was there was a, small... a couple of yards off McCarron as well, wasn't he, Stevie? He was always two or three yards away from him. He just wasn't close enough. Well, I, I think Michael Fitz owes Dublin nothing, Joe. I, I really, really rate him as a cornerback. Like he's he's one of the best there's been. You know, he's a ph- phenomenal man marker. And speaking of players who have played against him, would tell you that like that he was, you know, he was he was so efficient at his job and very what you would probably call, you know, is is just a very, very modest and, and mellow guy who just went about his business in a really efficient manner and didn't make a song or dance and, and very clean cut. You would never have heard any old trash or gutter stuff from, from Mick Fitz. You know, he was, a, he was a clean, hardy opponent. Like, so, you know, I, I just feel there, there's a lot of elements there, Joe, that the lads have covered. Like, but listen, it, it's, it's give everybody a glimpse. And for the first time, Joe, I would probably say in the, in the guts of six, seven years, there's a guy, there's about seven or eight counties now that will feel they can win the All-Ireland. That's the reality. And that's, and that's the thing, you see it in other sports, you see it in boxing, boxing in particular, when a heavy or any great boxer loses their first fight, um, you begin to see chinks there. And uh, all teams now, and, and they will they will get huge confidence in the fact that Dublin aren't the force that they were. And, 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 and they're not. And sometimes they're just going through a wee cycle there that they're needing to rebuild. And I'm sure that they'll do that. They'll not be far away. But the chinks are starting to appear there. And at that level, at that elite level, and Jason will tell you, all it takes is a wee bit of confidence from one or two teams or two players. change the course of a game and a tie, you know. OK, lads, uh, we'll just put Dublin to the side there. We'll have a look at the other um, relegation team. Kildare, Jason, your, your former team. Mayo just too good for them. As Stevie said, relegated, but sh- showed some good signs, obviously, against Dublin. Um, they're 10-3 to three to win Leinster. Now, Dublin are still odds on. If you were Glenn Ryan, if you were in his position on his backroom team, two questions. Would you be happy with that campaign? And can they now go on and win Leinster? 
Regarding, I, I suppose, happy with the campaign, uh, I think they're going to be happy with certain parts of it, uh, performance of some of the players. But, you know, you're judging on, on results and the players, uh, the, the, the positives of, of getting five points, they're, they're still relegated. And unfortunately, that's going to be something that's going to be following them around for the next week or two. But look, give it another week, 10 days, that's forgotten about and everybody's just going to be talking about the championship and you just need to get on with it. Um, it's It's... It's how Kildare prepare and how they work in the next few weeks that's going to dictate how how efficient they're going to be in their games and and they're going to like Dublin you know if 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 Kildare and Dublin were to meet in Leinster it's um the National League game will be will give the Kildare players confidence for sure they've been waiting a long time to to win to win a, a league game or a championship game against Dublin. But it's still it's still a big ask. Um, the backroom team in Kildare, like they're serious boys. Like Dermot Early, John Doyle, uh, Glenn Ryan, Brian Lacey. These are serious operators that have, as players, they've performed at a at a massive level. Um, and I I don't think, I, okay, outside of Kildare, people are very familiar with the names and how good they are. But within Kildare, I don't think people realise how much these guys are looked up to. So the, if anybody can really get into the heads of the Kildare players and try to get them focused on what they can do, what they can achieve, or what they can maybe what their potential is in twenty twenty two, it's them fellas. I'm really looking forward to seeing what what they, how they can build on what they the the positives of the league so far this year. Um, but in you know, I think they need to park the fact that they're relegated and as a management team highlight the things that went really well um, by nature family friends they're going to comment on the things that didn't work anyway so the guys are going to get plenty of that they know it it's up to the management to make sure that the, the positives are picked on and that the players are really trying to build on those and build the spirit that's in the group um, and there's massive celebrations on the pitch after the Dublin game after the win and it's 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 a pity that that wasn't pushed on more and that they didn't get maybe one more win and then we could really see how good this Kildare team could be and you would you know you can't have, there's not not going to be a negative regarding the relegation and look what's, is it that big a deal in the next two years if Kildare are playing Division 2 next year I don't know it's really competitive games in Division 2 really really competitive and so like I don't think it's it's certainly not doomed doom being relegated from there it's just a matter of um yeah, not allowing it to kind of uh, define them. Just, but uh, I, I, I do believe Glenn will, he'll, he'll have them, he'll have them picking the positives and being able to focus on those and and, and building on it. So, um, I absolutely agree with the guys' comments there. Like from a championship point of view, there is a number of teams out there that genuinely believe that they have a chance of, of being contenders in the All Ireland for Kildare their big thing is being contenders for the for the Leinster Championship and push on that bit further than where they have been before. Um, but um, will there be more belief in the camp than there was in previous years? I would say so. And that counts for a lot. Danny, moving on to some of the, the Ulster teams. Um, Jason talked about contenders there, you know, six or seven contenders. Looking at Armagh first, they were probably expecting to beat Donegal but they're up against a good, improving Donegal team. Do you think Kieran McGinney will be happy with Armagh's progress in the National League? And is there a chance Armagh could win the All-Ireland? As a down man, I know that's a difficult thing to accept, but what way do you see it with Armagh? Um, I think there's obviously, you have to take Armagh in two parts. Obviously, the start of the league, they were flying. Uh, I've done a lot of work and they've been doing a lot of work. So they've got to seven, seven, eight seasons now and Kieran has got great loyalty uh, and support from the county board there, which is and Jason and Talia and Stevie Italia and in the county uh, setup that the the importance of the chairman and secretary and everybody rowing in behind you is massive and Geezer has received that in spades in Arma. And let's not forget that he was probably under a bit of pressure in a number of those seasons given that some of the defeats that they, they took. But Armagh, I still see Armagh as a work in progress because they had a really good, strong start to the league. And for me, I would have been expecting and wanted 
them to be in the National League final if I was an Armagh player, supporter or manager because, you know, they had done well. Um, and back-to-back defeats to Mayo and Donegal would have been really disappointing for me. And again, you're talking about closing out close games. They had beaten Dublin. They had, you know, got a couple of good results there. They'd beaten Tyrone All-Ireland although Tyrone was still finding their feet. But you would like to think if you were producing those type of results that, uh, you know, you would you would come away and you'd be in the final of a, of a National League competition. So I, I think there's there'll be a slight disappointment and a slight, um, how would you say, worriness about going into the first round of the championship match with Donegal now that they face. Um, I think... The Mickey Murphy return and it looks like his return to fitness uh, has a massive part to play in that for Donegal. I think without Mickey Murphy, Donegal aren't contenders in my book. Uh, I, that's how important he is to them. So for me, Armagh will have been disappointed with how they finished the National League, um, given where they were. And again, with those with those back-to-back defeats, um, I think there'll be a wee bit of... Uh, <laughs> Just be that we see the doubt uh, within uh, supporters and neutrals' heads now. You know how how far are we from an Ulster championship there? And to be honest with you, from my mummy's side, I have to say, an Armagh woman, I would love to see Armagh actually doing something because we won't be doing anything soon. But I know that's on to say, but I would love to see them because I think I really do rate Peter very very highly. But uh, I think the players have worked very very hard this last to get there so listen you would you would have to say there's a slight disappointment but for me um, certainly looking on Stevie both teams Donegal and Armagh meet in the Ulster Championship on the 24th of April in Bally Buffet given that as Danny said Donegal are improving and Armagh have stalled or a little bit who do you think is in the driving position to win that game or who has impressed you more I suppose it's like anything Joe you know, out of all the provincial championships, you know, Ulster is probably the, the most attritional and the most hard to predict because last year, coming into the Monaghan-Armagh game in Newry, you wouldn't have foreseen Monaghan doing what they did to Armagh, you know, at that stage. Like, And, and I, I really fancied Armagh to obviously kick on last year. i seen them, played against them last year, was common. I thought they were hugely impressive, hugely well-organised. A lot of on-field coaching. Um, you know, there was not a lot of sideline coaching going on. Players were well versed in what they were doing, game plans, systems, calls, different strategies during games. Obviously, a huge basketball influence from Kieran Donaghy as well. How they're setting up zonally defensively. I think they're 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 one of the most organised teams in the country. But they're also mixing their game, Joe, with a lovely kick passing game as well because they have obviously have good ball winners inside. But they also have good strong running running power with the likes of Stefan Campbell and guys like this. So like. They can mix their game, Joe, which I think is a huge thing. But Danny, Danny's completely right. I think Kieran McGinney deserves a lot of credit for what the job he's done. Anybody that you speak to, and I'm sure Danny has been involved in Armagh Club Football coaching in the past. Armagh Club Football is not manically strong as a as a as a club as a club scene. It's not manically strong. But what he has done, Joe, is he has managed to get the players, the best players in Armagh, not necessarily the best players, but those who want to commit to Armagh long term. And he's a group of players. He's got rid of the bluffers, the messers. He's got guys in now that are willing to put their shoulder to the wheel and engage in a high-performance environment for the guts of five or six years now. And they've had setbacks. They've had setbacks. But I completely agree with Danny. Michael Murphy, Donegal, Michael Murphy, either with him or without him. I think they looked lost, Joe, in the couple of games that they played without Michael Murphy. Um, their style of football was obviously questioned on numerous occasions, but they still ended up, I think, with seven points, I think it was, at the end of the National League. I felt McBrady had a wee spark back when they played Dublin and Crow Park. It was the first time I thought McBrady looked quite sharp. But for them to beat Armagh, they're going to need a tune out of Michael Murphy and Patrick McBrady. And let's be honest, they've probably been, you probably wouldn't even say uh, anything, but a slight bit unlucky over the last couple of years. The Cavan game, Cavan won that game solely on emotion during the whole lockdown thing. And it was, you know, it was a dog and all night in Armagh in the depths of the winter. And Donegal were huge favourites. I felt that year they were well equipped to give Dublin a decent game. Cavan got over the line and got slaughtered in the semi-final. And then the following year, obviously, against Tyrone, if Murphy hits the net, Joe, they're five points up, they're in control. And the way Donegal set up and the way they play, there's no way back for Tyrone. Michael Murphy misses a penalty. 30 seconds later, gets sent off. 
and lo and behold, Tyrone go on to win in All-Ireland. So it's fine margins, but I do feel, Joe, uh, Tyrone winning in All-Ireland last year has given a lot of Ulster teams, including Monaghan, a massive, massive degree of hope and and probably, you know, saying that, look, we are close, we are close. And I wouldn't rule out Monaghan, Armagh, Donegal or Tyrone for, for contesting at the, at the latter stages this year. Well, certainly Monaghan played down at Clonus on the 30th of, of April and then I think... Um, it's Tyrone or Derry in the semi-final for them. So they've got a difficult route there, as always anyway with Ulster, you, you would expect that. Jason, um, I was going to ask you about Donegal. Uh, how important is Michael Murphy to this team and the likes of McBrarty? They do have these individuals that they really, really need. They're just they're just exceptional. You know, like the, the, um, the Donegal team is massive physically. They're just huge men. Um, very very mobile, really really big men. Um, but it's it's having your focal point higher up the pitch when you have when you're in possession of the ball, guys that can hold on to the ball, make good decisions, uh, get into good positions to pull the trigger. Um, and then when the guys are moving really well, uh, Paddy and and, and Michael, they, they they take defenders away. It, it allows there's such a draw and it creates so much space for for the for the running of the likes of Ryan McHugh and these guys that are they're just able to they're able to just if there's any space at all they just gobble it up. Um, however, if 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 the likes of Michael Murphy and Paddy McBrady aren't performing, it, it just means that there's a little bit more reliance on playing a running game by Donegal and they're, they're just not able to mix as much. Now, I'm not talking about that Donegal are going to be kicking the ball early at all at all, but you just have, you have the ability to give a ball that's maybe 60-40 rather than giving a, a 90-10 ball to, to a guy, you know. So they are able to give that ball and that these, uh, Paddy and Michael are strong enough to hold on to the ball. If, they're, if, the other if the opposition double up on them, the guys are still physically able to break the tackle and offload it then to somebody else and then just recycle the ball and, and away they go again. Um, and then you have their free-taking ability. Um, I don't know. Like Paddy McBride, some of the scores that he kicks are, they're just absolutely outrageous. They're, they're just unbelievable kicks from unbelievable angles. For a lot of other players in the country, we're saying, don't even think about it. No, just forget it. That's a poor decision. Don't want you shooting from there. But he's just able to nail it so, so, so often. Um, so, look, they, they can't afford but it, to, to lose those. But it's it's the same for it's the same for the majority of teams in the country. You know, they lose one or two of their key players and all of a sudden you go from being a, a contender to being being an also run. That's that's how how tight it is. There's there's there is not a great deal between a number of the, the teams at this moment in time. And a couple of teams we haven't mentioned there in Division One, Stevie Monaghan, they've escaped relegation again, time and time again. They seem to escape relegations for such a small county with limited resources. And we'll obviously talk about other counties in Division Two later. What what is it that keeps these small counties at the top of the table every year? I've ventured down to Clonus for the Monaghan Mayo game this year. Um, I actually just stood behind the goals and watched the game from behind the goals. And obviously, they possess one of the best in the business at number one. Uh, it's a serious weapon. You know, it's your 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 kickouts are obviously a, a launch pad to build attacks from, and he he's no better no better man to do it than than Rory Began. You know, but I'll tell you what, they have Joe down the spade in their team. Like, you know, the likes obviously Drew Wiley was back at the weekend. You know, the Desi Ward, Darren Hughes, Big Kearns, Manigan. They've, they've they've obviously discovered him this year. You know, Gary Mohan as well. Jack McCarron has been a while around. McManus, like they've got dogs. They've dogs. Kieran Hughes. They've dogs of war. They've, they've they've warriors, Joe. You know, they've absolute warriors. And as Danny said, the spirit and the deganess that they show. It's it's one of the smallest counties in Ireland. Uh, it's unquestionably one of the smallest counties in Ireland. Before Malachy Rourke went to Monaghan, they really didn't have any illustrious history or tradition. Uh, they weren't contenders. They were playing Division Three football. Now all of a sudden, you're talking about Monaghan in the same breath as Dublin or Kerry or Tyrone, you know, at, at contesting these titles. And let's be honest, Joe, last year, there was only a kick of the ball between them and Tyrone, one point in Crow Park in the Ulster final. And if, if they had to get through that, who's to say that they couldn't give Kerry a game? The one thing that might just let them down uh, is, is, is a slight touch of maybe strength and depth within their squad of real high-quality substitutions to come in and impact the game. And again, you know, Conor McManus's impact for them, but at the same time, they won on Sunday without Conor. Look, they've, they've moved this year. I think they moved the likes of Ryan McInnesby and Conor McCarthy, who have historically played up front. 
They've moved them back to wing back and they they just seem to have a bit more of a football and influence coming out of defence of the ball, Joe, whereas before Monaghan defenders would have been seen as being maybe slightly more agricultural and, and stoppers. Like now they've got a bit of football coming from deep as well. So they can mix their game. One thing I noticed what they did against Mayo quite a bit in that league game that I was at, they kicked the ball quite a bit, Joe. They, they did try and mix their game up quite a bit and kick the ball a fair bit. And they did the same against Dublin. I think McCarron's goal came from a kick pass, a direct ball in as well. So they find some fine, fine footballers. Joe, their club team, Scottstown, who have historically always been at the tail end of, of Ulster club campaigns, like they possess a huge amount of experience. And that's one thing about them, Joe. They have a huge amount of experience. But one thing as well, Joe, about Monaghan, their underage structures are very, very strong. They're well-organised. They've, they've a very progressive development squad system. They've got a training base there in Clona or Clon as well, just outside Blaney. And you know they've a lot of pieces of jigsaw in place. The Monaghan schools are doing fierce work as well. So when all that's happening, Joe, and you know you, you've obviously got a, re, a a little bit of recent tradition and history as well with their Ulster titles with with Malagy, it, it all adds to to obviously a, a progressive county who who will always be competing. And listen, the fact that the state in Division One for for consistently was it six or seven years now, is it? Is it that long? Six no, they're, they're outside of, uh, outside of uh, Kerry, they're the longest serving, I think, in Division One. That's class, that's class, you know, and, and you have to hand it to them, Danny, you know, for, for being able to do that. Like, but listen, they'll be hard beat, Joe. Like, the, unquestionably, they'll beat down in the first round, like, and you know, and they'll, and they'll beat down comfortably in the first round. But it's it's after that, you know, will will be their asset test. Those will be the big tests coming then, and and uh, just seeing if they can if they can obviously progress this year and, and win an Ulster title. You know, I think I think when it comes to Monaghan, and when you look at you look at Bernard Brogan's book, even and he talked about the the weekend challenge matches, the the county of choice that there was Monaghan because of that spirit. Uh, if you were going to war in the morning, as Stevie was saying, the Colin Warriors, if you were going to war in the morning, you would take Monaghan, man. And, uh, and that, that what they've achieved, uh, when you look at success is relative, it mightn't be in trophies, it mightn't be in silverware, but when you look at the success um, of Monaghan, I, I would put them up there, obviously below the, the, the silverware element, but they have been so for the guts of, of two decades now what the, um, and how they want about their business. And as Stevie said, they've got the they've got structural stuff right and they're all grown in the one direction and they're very together team. So you can achieve so much uh, when, when that's the case. They certainly have a never-say-die attitude anyway. Lads, just looking at the two teams that topped the league, we haven't really talked about them, but we just skim over them. Uh, Jason Kerry finished top of the league, their ability to dismantle teams, their ability to score goals. Probably a wee bit disappointed with that defeat to Tyrone at the end. Now, would you say that Kerry are streets ahead of other teams or, or are they more bunched? I think they have more depth than some of the other teams. I think some of the former talent is just, it's just scary when it clicks. It's like, how, how, do we, how do we deal with this? You know, it's just, it's, it's worrying. Um, but there, there's there's an awful lot of talent there. The the minor teams, the minor success seems to be really paying off. There's so many. It's the conveyor belt that was lacking in Kerry for a period of time. Um, there's there's just so many players that are that are that are able to slip in and and, and be able to make make a serious impact. Now that's they, they, but like that's one part. But the big part is it's just the savage talent of Shawnee Shea and David Clifford. Like these guys are. They're awesome. They're just, they're just awesome. And like they're, you know, I'd like to think that in 20 years' time or 30 years' time, we're still going to be talking about these fellas. That they're they're not like they're not all-stars for one year. These are guys are two years or three years. These are guys that are that are unique talents. Like the the skills of David Clifford, the points that he scores, the way he gets free, the, the way he's able to minute, you know where he's going. <laughs> you know he's gonna to want to kick him with his left leg. You know exactly what he wants to do, you know exactly where he wants to go. And they still can't deal with it. And that's when there's somebody doubling up or that's, and the opposition know that they're going to look to, he's going to run on the loop. He's going to come on the loop for the ball or he will look for an early ball. So they'll maybe cut, it, cut out an early kick pass into him, but then he's coming around the loop. You know where he's going. You know where he wants to get it. You know that Tom Sullivan or whoever it is that's carrying the ball up the field or Gavin Crowley or whoever it is, they're coming up the field. You know they're going to turn. You know they're going to pop the ball to him and he still manages to get it. So it's, they're, they're exceptional. Um, 
So like for any of the teams to be able to do, um, to, to get over the line with Kerry, they just they have to deal with those danger men and um, the opposition have to have a day whereby they're very, very efficient in their scoring, very efficient in their free taking and that they're really, really disciplined in, in not conceding frees. You know, you concede frees um, with Sean Shea around the place, you're in bother. So like, uh, are they like, uh, are they way ahead of other teams? I don't think they're way ahead of other teams. So I think that in, in, in patches in the, in the league, they, they looked, they look, they were just, so nice to watch. There's there's so much negative press. Look, I'm from I'm from the sunny southeast. I'm working in Dungarvan, West Waterford. Um, I'm heading down the road later on to Wexford to for a hurling training session. Um, it's all about hurling down here. So much is about hurling in 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 in, in Waterford. And so like we'd be very much hearing about the so much stuff in the media about football being how can you watch a football game? Balls being passed backwards, sideways. Teams aren't going forward enough for any neutral watching a lot of Kerry's football. It, it's brilliant. It's just absolutely brilliant. It's how you know we talk about how we want the game to be played. I think you you know your coaching players do the right thing at the right time. Time kick it when it's on, carry it when it's on, or recycle it when it's on. Like that's not overly complicated. But Kerry now are they show those skills, but so were the Dublin players um, over the last number of years with all the success that they've had. But Kerry now are. There's more steel in their tackle. There's more efficiency in their in their defending. But really, what sets them apart from the other teams still is their just their their threat going to goal and how many scores they can actually get in games. And they're ruthless. Like <laughs> I've been under even end as a coach or manager against them, and how ruthless they can be and think, look, you're winning by enough now. Take your foot off the pedal, and it just doesn't happen. It just keeps going and going and going. Um, but you know, look at look at what. But, um, uh, at how disappointed Kerry were two years ago with Cork beating them in a in a Munster semi final when Kerry thought that they, you know, that they had it and that the only team that was going to trouble them was going to be Dublin. And so you never know really on the day. But if Kerry can build on a lot of the forms they've shown already, they're they're they they have to be the, the favourites going into the into the championship. Stevie or Donny, you can answer this. David Clifford. Is he going to be the greatest player ever to pick up on an Eels ball? Is he that good? Go ahead, Stevie. <laughs> you know, like, I was just like Jason said, like Jason said, I, was, I had the pleasure, Joe, last year of of obviously being involved with Common and we played them in the league, and it was the it was the one it was the one game actually Roscommon were hugely competitive in for a consistent period of time, like you know in Division One, and like. He did nothing for 60 minutes. Brian Stack, actually, who's a really good defender. Brian's one of the most underrated defenders, I think, in, in the country. The men that he's picked up in the last number of years and, and had done a number on them is, is frightening, but doesn't get the recognition or credit he deserves. But Stack, he was marking him that day. And, you know, David was very frustrated and he was throwing arms back. And and then out of nowhere, 13 all, about 10 minutes to go, out of nowhere, he scores 1-2. And you're just going, like, it's just, you can't stop him. You know what I mean? You just can't because you can't keep him quiet. And I think he came away that day with, with one four or one five. And I was telling Stacky after, like, you've done a brilliant job, but you're, you know, you're coming away with one four, one five, and the defender done a good job. You know, he, he's phenomenal to watch. And uh, Jason had, had a chord there when he said, I let Danny talk. Danny obviously coming as a forward, we'll be able to talk more about it. But he, he, uh, he brings an axe factor, Joe. And like you look at the athletic grounds, packed the capacity last weekend, end of the game, kids in the field, every kid wants to watch him, every kid wants to be him. And I, and I think he's a superstar in the making, if not already a superstar, of course, Like, but a, a wonderful footballer. I seen Benny had a tweet up last week, and I suppose that's huge recommendation from your own brother, Joe Benny, when he says the greatest he's seen. So look, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's a joy to watch. And it's like the debate between Lionel Messi and Cristiano Ronaldo in soccer. Let's not just debate, let's just enjoy them. So for me, we've got an opportunity to enjoy him and, you know, Conor Callahan and Kieran Kilkenny. It's just a great era to have the, the likes of those players around, you know? I suppose uh, I would have to agree with I would have to agree with both both the fellas. I don't think I don't think you can box people off and say, well, he was the best of 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 his uh, of his time and such and such. Every player has unique attributes, and certainly we're looking at wanting the generation type footballers. Clifford would definitely be sitting in that bracket, and uh, he's a wonderful. Uh, perversely, Armagh wanted. 
Clifford to be playing last week uh, from an attendance and commercial viewpoint because he attracts so many to the matches and to see these guys engaging with the young people uh, and even the, the great Dublin teams, they were, they were phenomenal at that too. There was a lot of white dirt and rocky any guys that would have stayed behind after and that's what they did. About. Listen, we might argue and fight and, and uh, contest the art of support, but I have to say, even from my time, the skill level of the modern player is so much higher. You have cornerbacks that are willing to catch the ball from end line to end line, take it over the bar. Really, you know, when we were coming up, you had a, you had, you had, uh, there uh, no extreme talent. And McNulty had the same pair of boots for 16 years because he never kicked it once. And uh, yeah, you had, you had, uh, and then laugh at me for, for scoffing them on that. But, but you, you have the skill levels now. Um, uh, are truly phenomenal. And you look at some of the players we've seen over the years, Dean McConnelly and stuff. And and actually, Joe uh, Benny, your your brother, who might have been out the weekend before championship match, uh, Infill, wouldn't see 60 minutes. Uh, we could be, uh, the, the normal people here would be dog and away, dog and dog and dog, and Benny stick to it in the net, you know. And again, you know, generational type players that maybe once every, as I say, generation, and, and Clifford would definitely be in that bill. But there's so many, there's so many fantastic footballers down there, and not just in the top tier, uh, not just in the top tier. Um, so uh, listen, it's fantastic, and as Stevie says, let's enjoy it. Absolutely. Okay, lads, I'll not keep you for too long. We'll just have a look at Division 2, 3 and 4. But before we analyse the promotions and relegations from those divisions, again, thanks to our sponsors, Ripped, for supporting the podcast. Ripped is more than just a workout tool. It gives you insights into all areas affecting performance, monitor training volume, tracking performance KPIs, and saves hours of programming. Head over to ripped.app for more information. Okay, lads, just Division 2, Roscommon and Galway promoted. Danny, we'll start with you. Um, Offaly and Down relegated. Now, when you look at Down, they have the worst record of all the 32 teams across four divisions. Obviously, you're a Down man. You've written a lot about it recently. Who do you hold account for, for this? Do you hold the manager's account? Is it the players? Is it the county board? Is it a mix of all of them? How do you what what do you see in this? Um, well, I hold a couple of individuals. Um, I I do hold the blame on a couple of individuals. Um, now the label is just to go and uh, start naming names, and and this is pointless um, as well because there's contracts in place there. People have have jobs, so I'm not going to uh, I'm not going to go down into the the individual and the specifics of that. But I would say this, as a manager, I suppose James would, would have contested that that he didn't want the job. And and I would always make the argument, if you don't want it and your heart's not in it, don't take it. And that would, that would be a big argument for me, um, was just don't take the job. And Jason will know that, when, when, and Stevie will know that, when you're going into an inter-county scene, you need to be on it. You need to be passionate. You need to be, you need to have, be all in. And if you're not all in either club or county, you shouldn't be in that job. And uh, unfortunately, it's 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 a very pressurized uh, environment. So if you're not on it, your heart's not really in it, and, and you've been forced to take a job or, or or a role within that, then it's not going to work out. I would say that um, from a management point of view. But listen, he's been given um, uh, a, a crux of players that I feel personally sorry for because. They are not been given um, over their span of their own careers. They have not been given the best chances to be successful because of the the shit show that is our 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 setup. And uh, unfortunately, uh, you can only do so much. And I feel like I'm hurling into the wind. And perverse, I you know, last week I got so many calls and texts um, in support of the article that they did write last Thursday. And uh, you know there wasn't there wasn't anybody that I felt, and maybe it's, maybe they're just saying it to my to my face that they're they're all in agreement. But until there's change that's forced them down, 
we will got we will get what we've always gotten. And, and you've good great like even Stevie and, and regardless of, of personalities or anything else, you've went into a school there in St. Joseph that that haven't had a that haven't had a background in, in colleges football or schools football and you've totally changed the approach. And unfortunately the will is not in our county. There's too many enablers there as well that are getting good tickets or whatever they're getting. I don't know what they get. And um, the, the force, the change isn't coming quick enough, not for me anyway. And, uh, you know, the management and the players, they're going to get it in the neck. But really, we've got to look beyond that. Stevie, Down deserved to be in Division 3. 100%. 100%. And if we're not careful, we could go to 4. Uh, that's the reality. Um, we haven't had a group of players that have committed to the cause either, Joe. I think we've used something like over 85 players in the last five or six years, which is a phenomenal statistic for, for a county like Down. We talked about McGinney earlier, but what he's done is he's got a collective group who have got the best S&C, the best psychology, the best physio, you know, the best coaching. And when you have that, like even from an S&C perspective, like and to back up what Danny said there, like we've probably had about four or five different S&C coaches in the last number of years. You know, there's no there's no long-term thinking down or never thinking long-term. Like, you know, the last, you know, the, the, the decision makers and the administrators, it's all about short-term fix. And if you're operating like that, yes, you will get the odd bounce. You'll win an odd underage game or underage championship or whatever it happens to be, but there'll be no longevity in the thinking. And I only used my own experience, Joe, from last year with, with Roscommon, like and Anthony and what Anthony was trying to do behind the scenes wasn't just about the senior team. You know, he begged, borrowed and steal to make sure that he get an under 23 development squad going so that all these young players that are coming through in Roscommon that, that they have a, you know, they have a pathway to senior level. There's a long-term thinking. Everybody's rowing in behind. Brian Carl, a fantastic German. Valerie, the secretary, like great people, like who just, but they're, they, they know their role and they know their jobs and, you know, the likes of Podrick Mitchell there behind the scenes and was coming to as well. Phenomenal work. I get my eyes open, Joe. I get my eyes open, you know, in how the county should run and, and their development and their structures and, and things like that as well. And it, it is, it's it's phenomenal where we're at, Joe. Danny mentioned the schools and look, we're, we're doing our best. Myself and Kevin had the boys out today after school for a good hour and, you know, we're in a wee final next week and we're another semi-final under 15 level as well and we're trying to change the culture. Nuri's a big city, 100,000 people live in Nuri. We haven't had a down senior footballer in Nuri in 12 years, Danny, which is mental. You know, Damien Rafferty is the last player out of Nuri who actually played for down 12 years in a city of this size that we haven't produced a single county footballer. And again, you know, this is a whole different avenue, Joe, we could talk about all day. But but for me, we've lost big personalities in schools football. Barney McAleenan and St. Mark's, PJ McGee and Castle Allen, Gride Adams and Kevin Brady were down doing a fantastic job at De La Salle. I'll go back to the old vocational schools football where down schools were really competitive. Like, and, you know, the St. Malachy's at Castle Allen, St. Mark's Warren Point, you know, St. Louis Kilkeel. And, you know, and these schools, even my own former schools in Columbus Kilkeel, like, which close have fallen numbers, like, we were producing footballers, you know, in the in the last Ulster final, 2012 Ulster final, there was 13 players committed to St. Mark's and St. Clumans, like seven from St. Mark's, six from, from St. Clumans. And those personalities in those schools, Joe, haven't been replaced. As Danny said, like you're relaxing goodwill people. And, you know. save, sorry, Stevie, and just to, to cut across, but we're not producing them in the schools system, and, and I totally agree with you. But what is Down County Board doing to help the schools to, to think they're not... And, and they're just allowing schools to just uh, just try and do their own thing and take their hands off. It's got to be better than that. It's got to be that full-time S&C role, head of athletic development. And you see all the other counties doing it. Peter Donnelly's doing it in Tyrone. Calvin had Peter Donnelly for a long time. We don't have any. As you say, it's total short-termism. And it's not even a short-term fix. It's not even a fix. It's just, I don't know what it is. It's, it's not even... It's not even thought out. It's, you know, such and such, I'll sort it out or I'll sort it out. And nothing's transparent. You know, really, it's it's so frustrating. Okay, lads, we can't stay too long on down, but Jason, how, how important is it, you've managed at the elite end, how important is it, A, for the manager to want the job and not to be asked or begged by the county board and things like schools and, you know, turnover of players, that must be 85 players, Stevie said, they've had in the last few years. That, that's just not normal. Yeah, I suppose the, the, the second question there regarding the turnover of players, when we were talking about Monaghan earlier, when the guys were talking about Monaghan and their strengths, that's the big standout for me that they, they don't lose players. So if, if somebody is not involved, it's because their form is not a level that's required. So they've they've kept the core of players and they're just adding them one in here, 
two in there and it's it, it means that um you have an awful lot of continuity in the group um continuity players is number one like that's the most important thing that you can possibly have um regarding the the schools in the short term it's not going to make any difference whatsoever so like if you're looking for results this year or next year the schools are going to have no difference at all but like to create a pathway for players to your academy squads yeah you're going to get a certain amount of coaching um, improving coach education which are club coaches vitally important that that happens but the reality is during winter time there's not any club games going on it's all schools football and it's it's a brilliant chance for the boys in the schools and the girls in the schools for them to to play against um, other strong opposition to play against to play competitive games to structure coaching sessions at a time of the year that they're just not playing any gated games at all at all so it, it's it's for sure, schools competitions are really, really important. Um, the You can go out and play a school game and you just fulfill a fixture, but what are the players actually learning? What are they developing? How are they improving for, for their clubs and how are they improving for their county teams? So having good quality people in schools is, is key. Um, but it has, like the last few years, is a challenge for schools all over the place. I'm still in school here now. And so like we're all struggling regarding staffing and having people in school and whatever it might be. So there's, there's all of those challenges. But look, you, you guys there know far more about what's going on in, in down football than I do. So I'm not going to, to comment on that. However, like there's no doubt having a good school set up, having strong academy set up, having good coach education, it all points in the right direction of, of having better players coming through. Um, because like... It, it's something that 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 I've noticed the last couple of years. I've been support working with um, our academy squads in Waterford in hurling and in football. And what's really interesting, like, is is just the creating the right environment, creating an environment for the players that by the time they get to a county minor squad, what prep has been done with them? What kind of what kind of people have you developed? What do they realise? What kind of commitment is re required to be uh, an intercounty player at minor level, at under twenty level? And then even more that's required at senior level. Um, and the, the feedback that we would have gotten from the senior managers, um, we did some, some interviews and surveys with the managers of Waterford teams over the last 15 years. And like the big thing was that they were getting too many players coming through at senior level that they just weren't ready for it. So it meant that you're having to spend a couple of years prepping and getting physically able and psychologically strong enough and developing your skills to a level that, that, that you are able to then go from minor directly into 21s or into 20s and then that you have players that are maybe 19 20 years of age that are actually able to play senior like well, why why can't they like we've we've professional soccer players and at 17 they're, they're 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 able to go out and perform so why can't we have more 19 year olds 20 year olds that are that are able to that are physically ready to play to play our gala games um your first question then regarding somebody like you, you gotta want to be an intercounty manager, or or uh, if you do it, you didn't want to do it. Sure, you have to be crazy. <laughs> you know, it's it's just it's just so time consuming. It's so there's so many different facets to the to the job. Um, that you know, it's it's and I look, I I, I haven't managed a team since uh, an intercounty since 2015. So I can only imagine that things have increased since then. Um, that there's more pressures on the job, there's more requirements and whatever it might be. So look, yeah, you 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 got you got to want it, Joe. Like if you're in it, you, you got to be in it because you want it, and um, and not just to fulfil the, the 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 position. Yeah, certainly true, lads. We'll we'll just finish off, but we we'll just want to talk about uh, Galway. Galway there have scored 14 goals, Jason in division two how do they score so many goals is it the quality of players do they work on it in training yeah it's very seems to be very attack orientated how they're playing but look that's no surprise look, to, for goalie football what we've for anybody watching you know they're 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 magnificent club teams that have that have come through um there's there's a lot of kicking and uh, they want to attack you have back lines that are you know, even even back to like John O'Mahony's team of of ninety eight and two thousand and one, like they're they're just brilliant kickers of the ball. Like John Dively, that you know the kick passes that he was giving in to the likes of Derek Savage and these guys, like they're 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 football sides and um, added to that kicking ability, they've got good runners and like Comer coming back, like he's a 
bullet of a man. Jeez, the strength of that guy. Damon Comer is so physically strong. And as he's holding off a player, his ability to solo the ball and to keep control of the ball while he's being tackled is just, it's like, it's, it's brilliant. I'm delighted to see him back. Like, you know, we're talking about like some of Kerry's players and what they can do, but it, it's, the game is better when you see the likes of Damien Comer performing and like Shane Walsh, that um, he was talking about skills. Like when you see Shane Walsh taking a free off the ground with his right leg and then popping over to the other side of the field and he do the same thing with his left leg. It's just awesome. Like it's just so, and, and I think, you know, if you're coaching the game, you appreciate these skills even more because you realize how difficult it is to try to work with somebody to develop the, you know, the ability to kick off both feet. Um, but look back to Galway again, good decision makers on the ball um, making good, good decisions when to kick, when to carry um, they're avoiding contact. Like the first half of their performance against Derry was just, it was awesome. It was just brilliant. I know you like, McGuigan was a big loss to Derry that day. Um, he's a focal point for a lot of their attacks. He's he, he's really important in how they play. But like Galway were Galway were excellent against a Derry team that just they're just they're very hard to score against. Like they 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 defend really well as a unit. But Galway were very clever on the ball and um and really really nice to watch as well. You know they're they're easy on the eye watching them. Um, and it's 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 but it's it's still hard to know how good are they. You know okay they. They did very, very well against Derry and Mead and Clare and Cork and Offaly and Down, but I don't think Down, Offaly, Cork are particularly happy with their seasons this year, neither are Mead. So Division 2 this year was all about the teams at the very, very top, Roscommon, Galway and Derry, and then the rest, I think, will have finished the league, either relieved to have stayed in the division with Mead and Clare, and the, the other the other teams, look, Cork, I know they'll be delighted to have stayed up, but they won't be happy with how they performed. So... Um, against the, the stronger teams in Division One, it'll be really interesting to see how good are Galway. Like, is it you know? So, like, that's my take on it. That'll be interesting next year. Stevie, moving on to Division Three, a couple of stories from Division Three. Uh, Louth Mickey Hart has taken them from Division Four to Division Two in two years. He is the real deal. And also, Leash surprisingly relegated I don't think they would have thought that they were going to get relegated probably they were looking at promotion to division two that's a huge blow for them yeah huge blow but I think the other story in the division Joe as well is Limerick um you know Billy Lee is is one of the very few managers who you know obviously he's very much reminds me very much of what Turlick O'Brien did and Carlo like you know he's doing it for completely the right reasons you know he, his love of the county his passion for the county but he's also swimming against the tide um you know like Carlo Limerick would have had a huge emphasis on hurling um you know the county board are very hurling driven same and Carlo as well and, and battling against the elements and maybe your best players committing to the hurlers you know, many's a conversation I had down the road with lads trying to convince them to go to the football and look, you know, hurling, hurling, hurling. And it's unfortunate, but he is like literally doing a phenomenal job there, Joe, in a county where you could probably perceivably argue hurling first, rugby second, Gaelic football third, you know, and that's that's the reality of it. And, you know, he he, he shared a couple of stories from this year of of, of the the battles that he's had and, and the likes of that to, to gather a panel together and, and commit to, to the cause. And look, there's some fine players, obviously Ian Corbett playing centre-half back for them, the eight different scorers there at the weekend. They're another side who have scored a lot of goals this year. There's a guy playing full forward as well, who Josh Ryan, who's a very, very good footballer. He got into the GAA team of the week this week. Like So I, I think the Limerick story is a bigger story than and the reason I say that is because Mickey Hart, obviously high-profile manager, along with Gavin Devlin, like they're so it doesn't matter. Like they're always going to get a bounce. You know what I mean? No matter what county they're going into, if you didn't get a bounce off those two men, then you know you, you may hang the boots up. Like so, I think that the Billy Lee story, you know, a bit of longevity there as well. I think it's the biggest story in the division. Leash, Leash are, are a poor side. Uh, I think you know under John Sugar a few years ago, they obviously they had the likes of Donny Kingston, Paul Kingston, uh, Ross Munley was still floating about. They had Timmins, they had Stephen Atray. They've lost all those players, Joe. They've lost all those players and they're left with a very, very poor side now. And the big warning sign for me with with a county like Leash was that, you know, their club side getting beaten in the Leinster Championship a few years ago. Uh, I think it was Port Leash were, were, were well beaten. Uh, seen Port Arlington playing this year as well. And you sort of, you get a feeling that maybe football is, is slightly on the decline a little bit in the county. But look, um, Division 3, Joe, you cut it through a blanket over all those teams. At the start of the year, spoke to Paddy McBride from Antrim. Uh, they were excited about their campaign and I did say to him, I said, you could easily be relegated and you could easily be promoted. And that's, that's how tight three is because really and truly there was no real standout sides in it. Jack Cooney's been in Westmead a long time, but they seem to have just sort of stagnated a wee bit. So 
Uh, for me, not a major, major shock. Larry was getting promoted, but for me, the story of the division, Joe, was Limerick. Danny, briefly on Division 3, the Wicklow manager left sort of halfway through the season for work commitments. That's a big blow for a team, isn't it? Especially when you're at the bottom. Definitely. Um, and uh, very surprising that that was the case because you would know at you know, the start of the season uh, really quite unheard of. Um, so uh, <coughs> while I... You know, while the, the party line was work commitments, I was surprised if it was just that. Okay, well, as we've seen, Leash and Wicklow relegated, Louth and Limerick promoted. Moving on to Division 4, lads, just finally to finish off. Jason, uh, Cavan and Tipperary, as most people expected, they're promoted. Um, Sligo probably disappointed they're not to be promoted. Uh, your, your old teams, London, Wexford, Waterford, how do you think that division went? I, like London was just, London's brilliant, that's just, to think that it got three wins, just unreal. I, I, I don't, like it's just a massive boost for them. Um, but maybe, maybe it meant the Kerry fellas that was like the Kerry second team um, um, playing. But like it, it, it's, it's just, it's just fabulous. Um, I don't think people at home here realise the importance of the GA in America, in Canada. In, London, in England, in Australia, um, our Gaelic games abroad, it's just so important. And I'm not talking about going to watch London's games. Go crack and rice slip nice on a Sunday afternoon, going out and watching the game and having a few beers and whatever it might be and catching up with some people and meeting people that have just come come over um, for work or college or whatever it might be. But it's just, it's just, it's so important for the, the young guys that are born in London that they maybe aspire to play with the London team. And for the guys that go over that are that are handy footballers, that it's a chance for them. Maybe they didn't get a chance to play into county at home, but it's a chance for them to play against the best of the best from home. It's just it's it's just it's just fabulous. So like they're still for me, that's the big, 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 big thing that came from it because there'll be so many of those fellas just mad to be involved again next year. Um, no surprise with Kevin. Just like a lot of talent there. And when they're talking about continuity, there's a lot of strong continuity there with their S and C um, with their with the with management, with players. So look, it's um no surprise, huge scores in the division. Um Dipperary with the with their monster success and with the like when you have guys like Connor Sweeney, like they're really, really good footballers. So no real surprise. But probably the only surprise is that they started as slowly as they as they actually did. Um and then down the bottom. Disappointing for Carlo, disappointing for Waterford. But like even though Waterford finished the bottom, there was a number of their games, there was there's only one point in it. You know, they they weren't they weren't e even like in, in the Sligo game, Sligo beat them by one point. You know, and Waterford feel hard done by the fair sent off and there's black cards and there's things that went against them towards the end of the game, but they only lost the game by by one point. Um but look for those teams, champ uh Halton is going to be interesting to see. How that's going to how that's going to work for them, um, not being in, you know, how will they get on the, in their provincial championships? And um, but it's a, a rebuild for majority of these those teams in the, below the Tipperary and Cavan. It's, it's about just trying to rebuild and put together a group of players for a number of years to become competitive. And Danny, you played against your own brother Johnny there um, when Down played against yeah. London. I think at Park Esler it was about ten years ago, was it? 2009, yeah, yeah. 2009. Much, much and he, he was he was uh, he was me, so I was trying to find him most days, if not every other day. My brother playing for London and uh, and having that um, and having that that GA Irish cultural kind of. Uh, route uh, over there is massive, and as Jason said, I, I don't think people appreciate how massive it is. You can go out to the Far East and go to Australia, and the amount of people that get work, get make friends. There is one thing that we're fantastic at in the GA is helping each other when you go abroad. And uh, listen, it's, it's a fantastic organization, and uh, as I say, long may that continue because it's so important that the respect. Um, and I think the fact that Larry McCarthy became president against uh, you know obviously step opposition there with Jarlath Jarlath Burns but the fact that Larry um has become um uh, president there uh, it's a tip of the hat to to the work going on in America 
Australia and Far East and everywhere else, and uh, and in particular London, uh, that that keeps our diaspora happy over there. You know, Joe. Uh, the last last visit I had to Ruslip was in the championship, I think, in in two thousand seventeen, and. The game was on the Saturday and I never got home to Tuesday. So Jason, you're completely right. It's a wonderful, wonderful spot for a pint. But I'll tell you, I'll tell you, Joe, there's no surprise that London are going well. Myself and Danny were discussing it the other day about the, the, the huge financial package that you're getting as coach there. So, there's no surprise that you're going well. <laughs> I have to head off to training here now, lads. So I'm heading across right. the city now. Okay, lads. Well, thanks very much for coming on the podcast, Danny, Jason and Stevie. That was brilliant, brilliant overview of all the four divisions. And thanks to our listeners for tuning in. And hopefully we'll see you in two weeks' time. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Take care. Thanks, lads.